Oliver's really looking forward to his trip to the seaside. Yeah. Do you know what? I think it'll do him the world of good. Playing in the sand, all that fresh air, sound of the waves. Screeching in the gulls. Well, it's true. Just because you've got a phobia about him. No, I have not. Yeah, he's terrified they're going to attack him. Seriously? They're vicious, right? See that video online? One literally kills a rabbit. I don't think they kill solicitors. <laughs> uh, you can joke all you like. Welcome to episode 119 of the Talk of the Street, an unofficial Coronation Street Catcher podcast that can finally say, we got them. I'm Gavin. And I don't understand why so many people want to eat British actors. Uh, what? <laughs> this week, um, the the fashion blog, The Fug Girls, did a, uh, a slideshow of, of Colin Firth through the years, and... Apparently, somebody during uh, the the pandemic made a life size Colin Firth cake. They made a cake shaped like Colin Firth. I, I may not be awake enough for this conversation. <laughs> and it reminded me of a couple of years ago when somebody made a life size Benedict Cumberbatch out of chocolate. And so I was talking to Mersey Tart about this on the Twitter yesterday. Um, because he also shared the Colin Firth slideshow because apparently he and I have the same taste in men. And um, <laughs> and he brought to my attention the fact that somebody... Am I still asleep? Somebody made a Daniel Craig popsicle. A Daniel Craig-shaped popsicle. A shirtless Daniel Craig-shaped popsicle. And can you imagine where the stick is? Uh, on his feet... Or up his arse. Right up his arse. Right up his arse. Right up his arse. And it causes like a little <clears throat> push in the front there a little bit. It's about as obscene as that tomato I picked yesterday. Well, we've started as we mean to go on, <laughs> I guess. <clears throat> so that, that made me think about what someone could make a, a life-size version of you out of, food-wise. Sausage. Well, I was thinking... Either haggis or shortbread. Oh no, not shortbread. I don't. Yes. I don't really like shortbread. A, a big, a big. I make it, a, but other people a, eat it. A big, plump, buttery gav made out of shortbread. <laughs> I'd eat that. <laughs> Let's face it. You'd eat it if it was anything. That's fine. <gasps> I would probably if it was sausage. If I it would was probably haggis. eat a haggis gav. Yeah. You would eat a sausage one. I would eat a sausage gav. Yeah. I'd quite like a sausage calf. <laughs> Square sausage meat, obviously. <clears throat> well, for bits. Oh. And round in other places. And well, links in other places. Well, the thing is, if it's square sausage, it's moldable. Well, that's true. Like, yeah, because it's, it's, it's ground. Essentially. So, yeah, mm-hmm. it's moldable. But bits will be moulded square and bits will be moulded round. In this fictitious thing. And it yeah. would all be delicious. Absolutely. <laughs> you can stick a couple of extra inches on there as well if you like. <laughs> Wouldn't go amiss. 
<laughs> How about you this week? Uh, you know, school is like in the full swing, although it was kind of a weird week because we had Monday off for Labor Day. Mm-hmm. So and then the weather like just week. changed immediately after. Right, yeah. So you, see, you and I were both kind of like, Whoa, because it was so cloudy and cold and awful and miserable. It was dull and, and it was like... 55 degrees, 60 degrees. Right. A couple of the days. And it's amazing because yesterday it was sunny and like I was fine. And I'm like, yeah. this can't just be vitamin D. Vitamin D cannot be the only reason why now I'm fine. No, that's like it's just looking out and just seeing how dull and yeah. bleak. Could be worse though. <laughs> could be worse. Could be orange. We could be out west. Have oh, seen the pictures from San Francisco? No. Ugh, it's like it's like Blade I really, Runner. I don't really look at the news anymore. It's like Blade Runner out there. It's frightening. I'd rather talk about a Colin Firth cake and a, and a Gav sausage. And cheerier news. <laughs> Last week, I used to work for a company called Scottish Amicable. Yes. And that company was bought over by Prudential, who own the American branch or sister company that I currently work for. Correct. So I worked... Started working there in 1990, so I'm coming up for 30 years service. It's conceivable I could get to 50 years if I don't die. <laughs> or get fingers crossed, fired or made redundant or whatever. Or retire. <clears throat> but, so, the, the days of Scottish Amicable were kind of legendary around about that time just for being full of the daft boyness. Mm-hmm. So I started up a little group. Stories of Scottish Amicable and invited five people. Uh-huh. So on day one, there was five people. On day two, there was 20 people. On day three, there was 310 people. <laughs> now four, it's over a thousand. There was 700 it? people. And it, we're currently sitting at around about 1,500 people. Wow. And one of my old friends got in touch this morning to ask if he could uh, mention the, the group on his radio show that he's got. Oh, wow. And, uh, <laughs> And mentioned me as the, the creator of it. <laughs> and I, I think he may be looking for an interview because he was asking what the time difference was. So I think he might come back and say... Yeah, see, see. And then you were asking me why you would need to write a new bio. I don't need to write a bio, new bio. Well, you might. I don't know. But still, people are still... It would be weird. ...interviewing us. Is the Anyway. But what a remarkable week. That has been so. All these people have come together. There's been friendships that have been reignited. There's been many tales told of <laughs> usually drunken, <laughs> drunken behaviour. And I've only had to delete two posts. Wow! Out of hundreds, yeah, there was like fifteen thousand reactions to posts a couple of days ago. Wow. 15,000. Wow. This might be the biggest thing I've ever created. And I didn't have to do very much. No. <laughs> I set it up and invited five people. Right. And it just kind of exploded why I think from maybe there. Maybe on uh, Facebook, because we have like the Talk of the Street like page, but we should start a Talk of the Street group. I don't know. We do most of our. Social needs on the on the Twitter. Twitter. Yeah, it's mostly Twitter. Yeah, it's more fun. It is more fun. I I didn't really get into Twitter much until we started doing this. Mm-hmm. 
and then started focusing on the mm-hmm. Twitter side of it <coughs> more than the, the Facebook side of it. Yeah. It's quite good fun. Yes. Some nice people there. And the, the, yeah, the, there's some not nice people there. Oh, but th- there's a, a section of it that's utterly horrendous, but that never seems to... Yeah, I saw that what, you, did a, you did a report on somebody who was making death threats on the Twitter the other day. Oh, yes. Yeah. You saw that? Yeah, because uh, Twitter came back and said, we've received your report while I was on the talk of the street. Twitter. Yeah, it was awful. Yeah, I saw it. It was awful. A person should be ashamed of themselves. Yes. Anyway. There's an aside to that. That person used to be involved in uh, writing groups back in 2005. I believe it. And was exactly the same. But I believe it's, but it. But it's now worse. There, there were some awful people in Scrawl who are still awful. Scrawl, the writing group that you and I met in. And then we started up the SpongeBob Squarecast again. Yeah, you had your first episode. We we need to get we need to get on uh, common language. I'm. I feel so bad. It it almost feels like it's dying. Well, we should we should we should at least try. Oh well, we should, but we won't. We will. Because if it weren't for common language, there would be no talk of the street. Mm. Because. It's partially true, I guess. No, well, I came up with the idea for common language, and that's what. And that was the first. And I was the one who said we should do a podcast. And that's what made you say we should, but instead of your idea, we should do my idea, which was this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we were able to do this every week. Yeah. And it's a lot easier because there's a lot less research. Well, for you, perhaps. <laughs> for you as well. I'm, I've never back to like six episodes a week. We're, next we're, week. we're watching it I'm and like we're doing, we're hours doing notes. notes and stuff, but you're not having to research something that you know very little about and find information about. That's true. Shall we preamble, my dear? Any, yes. Please crack on then with Cory News. Rodney Litchfield. This better be good. <laughs> Watch it, or I'll bite your sausage off. Oh. Chance would be a fine thing. <laughs> a fine thing indeed. Rodney Litchfield. <laughs> I've, I've got sad news. <laughs> You're making About me my laugh. sausage? Well. Oh, all right, all right. Come on, let's be respectful here. We'll maybe start with something that isn't sad then. No, it's, it's all sad. It's all sad. <laughs> it's all sad. <laughs> it's miserable Corey news. Well, the last one is, is good news, but I, the way I wrote it, it's finally some good news. Okay. So, anyway. <clears throat> but, I mean, even though it's sad news, I make a joke, so it's... Because that's just the way I am. Feel free to start. Okay. Rodney Litchfield, who played Wilfred on Corey, has died this week. He was 81. Unfortunately, this time around, it appears he didn't fake it. Because Wilfred on the show faked his own death. I have no idea who that character is. Okay. Diana Rigg also died this week. Oh, that was horrible news. I know. Well, as far as I can tell, the Game of Thrones and Avengers, no, not that one, star, was never on Corey. Honor Blackman, who she replaced on Avengers, was. Ms. Blackman died in April, and unfortunately, I missed it, so... 
So I'm putting it in here while also getting a chance to talk about Diana Rigg, who I loved. She was my favorite character on Game of Thrones, and she was fantastic. And those cheekbones were just to die for to the very end. And I loved her. Otter Blackman was good, too. She played uh, Pussy Galore in the James Bond movies. I know who she is. Yeah. She died in April, and I I This, this may be the most it. contrived piece of Corey, <laughs> in, in inverted commas, Corey news that you've ever done. And there have been many... Many items that have. Been Do you remember Honor Blackman? Do you remember Honor Blackman on the on the show? No. She was a friend of Rita's who was trying to get into um, Norris's pants. On the show. Right. Yeah, that's believable. So. And then Wilfred, but, who nobody can remember, <laughs> and Diana Rigg, who wasn't even in it. <laughs> right, but Honor Blackman, who was. Another Corey news: President Trump had a rally <laughs> in Michigan. This week? I don't want to talk about that. It makes me so mad because, you know, all these assholes are there. Those are the kinds of assholes who go into QD and not wear masks and put my son's life at risk. And he's no longer getting hazard pay, which just anyway. For another podcast. Yes. Which is uh, we discovered that um, shitty presidents is already a thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's there a is, blog, though. It's not a podcast. No, but it, it exists. Someone's yeah. had this idea. And, yeah. And We're not the only it. one who who had the idea for shitty presidents. And literally the name, shitty presidents. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not so, just bad presidents or all presidents are problematic, which they are. So as we're about to enter into the, the final segment of Corey News, let's, let's have an internal <laughs> bet with each other as to what the fuck this is going to be about. And is it? Is it even going to be Corey related at all? Yes. Finally, some good news. As Beverly Collard has announced, she will be returning to the show, hopefully around oh, the new will? year. Yes. So she hasn't left? No. Okay. No. She will be leaving. She'll be coming but back. She's to gonna leave. be coming back so okay, she can good. have her dramatic exit and and the proper sending off of Liz McDonald. So And she was the one who said that the show offered her a wheelchair and she said no, that stiletto heels and wheelchairs don't mix. So, and a call back to last week's Corey News where you defended her by saying that it was probably the awful reporting that made her seem ableist. Mm-hmm. And that's Corey News. <laughs> Diana Rigg. Donald Trump. <clears throat> and other black men. Uh, real and and uh, Rod- <clears throat> Rodney Litchfield. And People do remember him. Just because you don't remember him doesn't mean that other people don't. So for our mailbag, I thought I'd just read out some random emails that I've received personally and at work throughout the week. I did tie Diana Riggs' death back to the show. You should be ashamed of yourself. (laughs) No. Our mailbag. Chris, yes, that one. I'm starting to get hints of who the mysterious John Oliver is on this episode. (laughs) He doesn't know who John Oliver is? He doesn't know who John Oliver is? The world famous John Oliver? And then he gets into... Uh, covering because John Ma- Oliver did stuff in the UK before he came <sighs> he, over he, here he, didn't he, he wasn't he wasn't particularly famous or popular I or mean, funny the bugle <clears throat> the bugle was a thing before he came over oh no he was uh, working for the Daily Show at that point was he mm-hmm. yeah. so he's kind of done some hindsight corner work for us um, Samir Rashid was Deirdre's second husband and when none of Tracy's immediate family turned out to be a match 
when she needed a new kidney, he volunteered to donate one. The original script plan was to have him die on the operating table, which is what I said last mm-hmm. week. But they changed the story to have him beaten to a pulp instead, as the producers didn't want to be responsible for leading 19 million viewers a week to believe that donating an organ that you have two of was likely to be fatal for the donor. Right, yeah. Then Canadian Helen wrote in, I loved this episode of the Talk of the Street. I had to comment about Dev's beard. He's really rocking. Yes, the Navid look from Still Game. All Dev needs is a knitted vest, and Mary would also be great as Isa. <laughs> and if you've ever seen Still Game, you know that's absolutely true. <laughs> Mary would make a good, good Isa. And I, now, oh, Dev is much more attractive than Navid, though. Much more. Much more. I don't know if much more. Much more. Much more. I think that actor is a handsome man. I can't remember his name. Anyway, and now this. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to Last Year Tonight with me, John Oliver. This morning. <laughs> Last Year Tonight, this I, morning. I did this at approximately 12.30, 1 o'clock this morning <laughs> because I'd forgotten all about it. So this might not be my best work ever on Last Week oh, Tonight. Oh, well, you know when I wrote Corey News, it was at 5 o'clock this morning when I woke up and I couldn't go back to sleep because of your snoring. So I went downstairs and I took a shower and then I did Corey News and made myself a cup of tea. It doesn't show. <gasps> I was Gavin and you were Miyamo A. Helen. See, si. It was episode 69 and I did the, um, for reasons best known to myself, I did the intro in French oh. and also the outro. Yes, because, because, because French is the language of love and nothing... Swasn't neuf. Nothing... Uh, Nothing shows love more than the number 69. Mm-hmm. It was a bad week for Sinead. Was it? Mm-hmm. Robert watches Thor movies with Irish Tina. Kevin discovers that his rants and bants are an internet sensation and then contributes to Abby's checkered employment history by sacking her for a second time. Just when everything is looking rosy for Ali and Maria, a, a a peculiar arrest is the catalyst to a very bizarre outburst that leaves Maria upset and confused and Ali convulsing on his living room floor in front of a bewildered Ryan. Mm-hmm. I barely remember that. I remember that. Kate left. No one cared. <laughs> our moment of the week was... Oh, this is our moment of the week. Was Sinead and Daniel. Yeah. Dancing at their wedding to right. uh, Elbow's... A day Like This, I think yes. it was, wasn't it? Yeah, it was Day Like This. And our boring moment of the week was the aforementioned Robert and Irish Tina watching Thor Ragnarok. See, it used to be that Robert was almost always our, our boring moment of the week. And now that Robert is gone, now it's Daniel. <clears throat> so, And also, Daniel was better when Sinead was alive. Let's be honest. Yeah. As and far as boring moment of the week is concerned, buckle up, Daniel. This is going to be a... <laughs> It's going to be a difficult ride. <laughs> oh, dear. Shall we dive in, my dear? Yes, please. Our first storyline today is Tim's fucking dad. Ah, oh, fuck him. No, and, but seriously, I'm, 
This was amazing. It was amazing. And then it wasn't. They couldn't even give us a week. They couldn't even give us a week. Uh, yeah. Shame I, on I you. I thought Monday and Wednesday were... Brilliant. Almost perfect, Corey. I actually watched Monday and Wednesday on Wednesday. I, I said to you, Because you, you, you said you have this. to watch this. You and I was like, this. this is so great. I can't wait until Friday. And then Friday disappointed me. Friday was a bit of a damp squib. Well, and it was a damp squib in more ways than one. We'll get to that, though, yes. right? Yes, we Won't will. not we? Yes. On Monday, Tim has slept on the couch going through old photo albums. Well, I've worded that badly. He fell asleep on the couch and now he's woken up and he's going through old photo albums. Correct. He wasn't doing it in his sleep. Overnight appears to have lost any doubts that he had about Tim's dad. Again, adamant that Tim's mum was a wrong one who did a runner. Meanwhile, Sally has cancelled the reception and asks Tim to take care of cancelling the registry office so the wedding's off. He thinks it's just as well he wouldn't like Sally to marry into such a bad family. Fine, she says. And he seems a little bit quirked at this doesn't he yeah that she's just like whatevs whatevs mm-hmm. dude let's not forget dude you married me when you were already married to someone else so we're, we're <laughs> you're still conveniently skipping over that <laughs> so tim's dad meets tim in the community garden tim's not any cheerier with tim's dad than he was with sally there's so much that doesn't add up for tim not about yasmin so much but about his own childhood all these photographs are just him and Tim's dad, there's none of his mum. Mm-hmm. And Tim's dad's well, who do you think took the photos? Took the photos yeah. Tim's dad says Tess didn't want her photo taken, so got her own way again. Right, yeah. Tess didn't want her photo taken because she gained so much weight during the pregnancy and she thought she was so fat, so she didn't want to have her picture taken, which is just... Mm-hmm. Considering that Tess was not pregnant ever, <laughs> he's like defaming this poor dead woman. Right. Even more. Ah, he's so awful. Tim's dad talks about the magic tricks that he did for Tim as a kid to take his mind off how horrible and drunk his mother was. And how Tim never wanted to know how they were done. He loved the mystery, he said. See, he, he goes between Tess was your mother and she loved you very much and she would be rolling in her grave if you thought that she wasn't your mother and, you know, she did all these great things for you, but she was also... Horrible and awful and drunk all the time and neglected you yep. at the same time. Yep. Timbot4000 says this does not compute. Yeah. You always have problems hitting that button. That's what she said. <laughs> that is what she said. <laughs> well, Tim's sick to the back teeth with mystery these days. He wants the truth, damn it. Tim's dad says he's telling the truth. All those women who I've been in relationships with are lying. They're the ones who are lying, not me. Mm-hmm. And he begs Tim not to turn against him. He couldn't take it. Tim doesn't want to talk about it anymore. Then Faye comes down the stairs of discovery. And what did she discover? Sally is hunting through a drawer for a spare key to number six. And Faye has it and she gives it to Sally. Who explains that Yasmin is looking for a copy of Jane Eyre. Which is always out at the prison library. I thought it was a nice detail. Yes. And I believe it. She loves the book. She really wants to get it. But it is so popular in prison. So she's back in prison then? She's not in the hospital anymore. Oh, that's a good point. When did that happen? Because remember, she's just had major surgery. Oh, you're in the route these days, aren't you? They probably do want to get her out as as quickly as possible because of the because of the COVID. But still, 
I don't think we knew that she was back in the prison. No, I thought she was in the hospital. Yeah, hmm. I was really surprised when she said that about the prison library. So later, Sally's round at Tim's dad's and finds his laptop. And she puts it in her bag and is about to leave when Tim's dad comes home, forcing her to hide in the kitchen. <gasps> he heads up the stairs, leaving Sally holding her breath. I, I kind of had to skip ahead of this. Really? I, I couldn't watch it. It was it was too awkward. So you don't know what happens? Oh, I do. Oh, okay. Because I, I, I could see what was happening in the little thumbnail. So I, I, I knew ahead of time that he, that he confronted her. Right, yeah. Well, she tries to sneak out the back, and the door is locked. And for some reason, she can't get it unlocked from the inside. The minute he's gone up the stairs, she should be out the front door. Should be what's happening. Right. But she tries to sneak out the back door, and it's locked. Right. And that's when she tries to sneak out the front door, and he comes back down and confronts her. Which is why I've written this. She seems to hang around inexplicably and then tries the back door, which is locked, and then makes a run for the front as Tim's dad comes down the stairs of Discovery to discover... Sally. Sally. What you doing in my house? Mm-hmm. He says. Sally sticks to her book story. Fair enough, Tim's dad wants to see it. Open your bag. Ooh. Chilling. I want to see the book. Fine, says Sally, and she pulls out a book that she's He also grabbed. accuses her of stealing, and she's like, it's, you know, I'm, I'm here for a book of Yasmin's that Yasmin wants. I will get to that. Aye, aye, aye. She pulls out a book about Houdini. Yasmin planning on escape, says Tim's dad. That was a good line. Eh. It was a good line. Credit for it's due. Houdini, yeah. Yeah. Don't break into my house again, he says. I didn't break in. I have a key, says Sally. You don't have my permission, he says. And Sally points out that it's Yasmin's house and she had Yasmin's permission. Tim's dad wants to book, wants the book back or he's calling the police. So she throws it on the floor and tells him he's a bully and an abuser. Tim's dad says that she's in the minority. Why doesn't she just drop it? Sally says even Tim is coming round and he jabs the book at her face. Don't come between me and Tim, says Tim's dad. Are you threatening me? asks Sally. Fucking right arm, says Tim's dad. He's going to call the cops. About a book. Yep. He's not going to call the cops about a book. Well, Although, I, I know for a fact that the police in the UK are cracking down heavily <laughs> on book crimes. Really? No. <laughs> you know who should have called the police this week? Somebody in another storyline who don't. Uh, and I don't understand who it is that he calls. But anyway, we'll get to that. Oh. David? Yes. He should call the police. Yeah, for them to quarter it off and or the the fire department or somebody other than whoever it is he calls. But we'll get to that. The water company. Because he hears water. Right, but there's also uh, if he, if there's he, also lots of other different pipes down there and there's a hole in the in the earth. And anyway, we'll get to that. If you heard Birdsong with your phone the RSPB one wonders. The Royal Society for the Protection of Birds. Is, is there Wednesday, something like the Army Corps of Engineers in in the UK? There must be an Army Corps of Engineers. I don't know who that is. It's the Army Corps of Engineers. You repeating it isn't making me <laughs> learn what it is. Anyway, we'll get to that. On Wednesday. <laughs> so on point. <laughs> well, that's why I just said, never mind, we'll talk about it later. And that's when you said David. <laughs> well, you, <laughs> you, made, just... you made me start thinking about it. 
And so I, I couldn't stop thinking about it until... And you're anyway. just as bad, because... Anyway. anyway. Diana Rigg died. <laughs> We're all very sad. Donald Trump was in Michigan. <laughs> On Wednesday. I was going to cosplay as, uh, as her character from Game of Thrones at the next um, Comic-Con. <laughs> and then... And then I didn't because of COVID. So sad. Anyway. That's a great story. You should tell that again. <laughs> On Wednesday, Sally manages to escape and Tim's dad gives chase. Tim's outside the house and Sally cries for help. I thought that was a little bit over overdone, a little bit. A wee bit, yes. Melodramatic. Yes. Tim's dad tries to push the blame onto Sally. She was in the house hiding from him. Sally tells him to stay away from her and Tim follows her back into the house. And there she explains that she's nabbed Tim's lap. Tim's dad's laptop. Maybe there'll be emails to Elaine, or maybe this will vindicate him and prove that Tim was right all along, which is kind of how she gets Tim on side for this, which is right, quite clever. Yes, yes. They guess his password on the third attempt. Great Magnifico 2. Yes. Handy? Meh. Too handy? Meh. I forgive it, because what happens next is fucking amazing. Meh. They don't find anything and Tim feels vindicated. He wants her to take the laptop back, but she doesn't want to see Tim's dad again, calling him a murderer, and she doesn't want to marry someone who can't see through obvious lies. She promises to find Elaine while Tim promises to move in with his dad. He's going to move out. Good. Then in comes Faye, confused why Tim's dad's laptop is on the counter. Sally explains about the CCTV footage, and Faye has an idea. Meanwhile, at home, Tim's dad is reading the paper and then just says online and gets up and looks for his laptop and he can't he find was, it. Yeah, he was looking for something in the newspaper and he couldn't find it. So he said online. What? <laughs> <laughs> he can't find his laptop. Timbot4000 says this does not compute. <laughs> you need to stop hitting that. You, you abused Timbot <laughs> far more than is necessary. That's what she said. That's what she said. <laughs> so, where did I get to? Oh, yeah. Tim's dad, Tim's dad has randomly said the word online. <laughs> but except his laptop isn't there and it doesn't take long for the penny to drop. And Tim's dad loads his boxers at this point. Yes, he looks terrified, which was great. Back with Faye, she's reinstalled the camera app, whatever that means, and is looking for files or deleted files, but comes up blank. Why doesn't she look into the deleted box in the corner of the home screen mm-hmm. where he clicked and put all the deleted stuff in like the little trash bin, but never emptied the trash bin, well, and that's we, where everything well, is. Well, so we assume. Sally asks about his photos and Faye checks, and this is where... This is where... Shit gets interesting. Timbot4000 says shit just got interesting. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. He saves <laughs> the video. They find a thumbnail for a video with a close up of a distressed Yasmin. Press play, says Sally. So the three of them watched the aftermath of the magic show when Tim's dad gets torn into Yasmin for fucking up the trick and how Emma would have done a better job and how ridiculous Yasmin looks and how he refuses to eat her slop and orders her to the chip shop, all the while Yasmin crying and cowering away from him, begging him to stop. Faye calls him cruel. Sally calls Yasmin terrified. And Tim is shell-shocked. Yeah, he really is. And we thought, I remember thinking this at the time, and we talked about this, I'm sure, when we saw this playing out. Mm-hmm. 
he was recording it on his phone. Correct. This is going to come up sooner or later. Yes. And it's like, I don't know. Is that a year later? It took too long. Is it, it a year? It took too long. It took too long. I can't remember when that magic show was. Yeah, it was about a year, I it, think. It feels like a, yeah. everything. Like last Jiggle week feels Jeff. like a, a year ago. But it's finally come up. It's mm-hmm. finally come back to haunt them. And this is all the ammunition that they need. This is This is it. Or is it? Well, this well, is it, it is. for Tim. This is it for Tim. This, which is the most important bit of this, and for Faye as well. Yes, yeah, but Tim especially is just. This is. Oh, he's... and 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 part of it is is that he blames himself. He's like he shouldn't be mad at her. He should be mad at me. I'm the one who who recorded it and posted the Jiglet Jeff video. You know, he should be mad at me. He blames it on himself. Yeah, Tim I just said that. For posting the Jiggle at Tim's <laughs> Dad video. That's what caused this. Fane Sally aren't buying it though. This is all about Tim's dad being a monster. It doesn't have anything to do with Tim. Sally points out that this now suggests that everything Yasmin and, Le- and Elaine have said so far has been true. Faye wants to take this to the police. It's Faye that wants to take it to the police. Mm-hmm. Sally agrees, and Tim does as well. The women folk go, and Tim stays back to clear his head. He tells them that they're doing the right thing, though. Yes. Later, Tim's dad calls round, telling Tim that Sally took something of his. Tim admits it, and then talks about the video. Tim's dad is initially confused, but then realises what they're talking about. Mm. Tim says they've all watched it, and the monster, the bully, is Tim's dad. Correct. Tim's dad tries to pass it off, saying he was upset or angry when the trick went wrong, but Yasmin forgave him. Tim says Yasmin had done nothing wrong. He was the one who posted the video, and he questions whether Tim's dad apologised at all. Tim's dad insists that he did, and then accuses Tim of losing his rag with Sally, and then having to apologise. And this is the best bit of Wednesday's episode. Tim fucking explodes. Yes. Scaring, scaring Tim's dad. Yeah, Tim's good. dad takes a step back. I know, this was my, my favourite part of this. I've never videoed my wife cowering away from me. Yeah. Screams Tim at his dad. Tim's dad's not proud, but this was one moment. Tim isn't buying it and brings up the trapped box thing and how she flinched from him after that. And then the burnt clothes thing. And Tim's dad tries to suggest that Yasmin wanted the clothes burnt, but Tim says this is too big a pill for me to swallow. Yeah. And what about that red dress? Tim thinks that Tim's dad made her wear it to humiliate her. Why would I do that, says Tim's dad? Because that's what abusers do. Mm-hmm. Oft. <sighs> so good. Oh, did we, so good. Did we lie down after that? Yeah. Do you know what? I've watched that scene maybe five times now. Uh-huh. It, it is that good. Yeah. It is, very good. It is very it good. It's good anyway. Mm-hmm. And it's great seeing uh, Tim react to his dad that way and it's yes, good to see absolutely. Uh, Joe Dutton have something other than hitting Steve <laughs> over the head with a, a plastic cricket bat or whatever <laughs> to see him really go for it right it's fucking brilliant yeah it's so 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 good so good so good so, good. so well acted it's oh I've... all the awards yep all the awards all of them Tim's dad says he never laid a finger on Yasmin, but what Tim has seen isn't normal. He calls himself a fool for falling for Tim's dad's lies. He wonders what he's done with Tim's mum. And Tim's dad sticks to the story, but Tim isn't falling for it anymore. Tim's dad tearfully says that he's not a bad man. And then there's a knock at the door, and it's the police. 
and they want a word with Tim's dad. And Tim tells him to get to fuck. He never wants to see Tim's dad ever again. And Tim's dad tells Tim that he's making a terrible mistake mm-hmm. as he's escorted away by the police. So like you said, Monday and Wednesday was pretty top-notch as far Absolutely. as the story. Absolutely. As far as the story was concerned. Yeah. So on Friday then, <laughs> Sally drops in to see Tim at the cab office. She thinks Tim's dad will be in prison and Yasmin will be released, which is, I, I, I guess, a big, a big generous jump. leap. Yeah. Tim is worried that he's like his dad and he wonders what happened over the years. Sally's very worried about Elaine and the police don't even have her address. Then Tim rummages through the garbage and finds that envelope from fucking months ago. Well, it wasn't. It or was, weeks ago. Yeah. So nobody's been emptying that garbage. Well, I guess I can believe that Tim wouldn't. Yeah, Tim and Steve wouldn't. And Eileen's not there. Fat Brenda doesn't work there anymore. No. Yeah, I, can, I guess I can believe it. Yeah. He's off to Bolton to look for Tim's mum and instructs Sally to man the switch. <laughs> and I don't... I, I, because the whole scene didn't mean anything in terms of the storyline, I didn't write anything about it, but there's a kind of an amusing scene. There's a great scene. Where <laughs> Sally's answering phone calls right. at the cab office and is speaking to a former councilwoman. Or, yeah. And pretending that she's not Sally Metcalf, who used to be the mayor. And <laughs> yeah, that was great. Was I love that. That was a good one. So Tim's dad has been released by the police and bumps into Tim outside the house. Tim is in no mood for conversation and Tim's dad wants to explain to give context to the video that he's watched. Right. It's and all is, a misunderstanding. And is expecting an apology from Tim. He, he is. He's expecting an apology from Tim and Tim is appalled. Right. But Tim won't be fooled and says that he's off to find what happened to Tim's mum. She's not your mum, says Tim's dad. And you're not my dad, Tim's dad, says Tim. And he drives off. <laughs> I knew I was going to enjoy saying that when I wrote it. I'm going to really enjoy saying that. So Tim gets home and has no luck uh, finding Tim's mum, but seeing that she has tons of unopened mail on the other side of her door, he wants to go and kick fuck out of Tim's dad until Sally talks him out of it. Right. She's like, remember what happened with Duncan when you kicked the fuck out of Duncan and how that went horribly wrong. He stepped in front of uh, a bus. A bus. <laughs> I don't think it was a bus. It was you, a bus. You insisted at the time it was a bus. I it don't think it was. It was a bus. Tim apologises to Alia and then wonders what else he has missed. He reckons that Tim's dad was like this to both his mums and he blames himself for this. Then Alia reveals that Imran thinks the laptop footage won't stand up in court and it was obtained uh, illegally. But maybe if Imran Imran names Tim's mum as a witness, that would force Tim's mum to show up. And if she doesn't, the police would take her disappearance more seriously. Yes. And that's as far as we get on that storyline mm-hmm. this week. I still don't understand why the police didn't check that laptop and his phone to begin with when they were sweeping the house. But then again, they missed the camera that was sitting right there on the CD tower. So they are not good police officers. Bumbling, I think is the word, isn't it? Ay, 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 Bumbling ay, ay. police officers. Ay. I don't imagine that Tim's dad would get the jail for shouting at his wife. Right, but it's threatening and she's obviously being, a you know, it's obviously abusive. And, you know... Has he broken any laws is what I'm wondering. Abuse is illegal and that includes emotional and mental ab- abuse as well as physical. 
Or it is here. It's hard to prove, but that video proved it pretty squarely. Mm-hmm. She was crying. She was begging. She was cowering. Yeah, that proves that she, you know, that she wasn't the one who was bullying him, which has been his mo this whole time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yasmin didn't appear to be the bully in that situation. No. I, I, we we say that as we're going through it, but I I thought that the Monday Wednesday stuff was great. Was just we have we have earned that. Yes. That is what we deserved to see what we some earned, time ago. What we earned was to have that feeling last the whole week, though. And I'm, I'm not happy that that he gets released already on Friday. That that, that made me upset. I, I, he he was never arrested. He was just we'd like to have a word with you. So they they didn't arrest him. Mm. They they brought him in for questioning, basically. He can still be arrested at a later point. Yeah, but still, I would have enjoyed just going into the weekend with with Tim's dad still being in in custody in some way. Yeah, I, I you know, I, I I think I agree at least partly. But we did manage to get the scene where Tim's dad is, for whatever reason, thinking that he's owed an apology, right? And Tim telling him a GTF, right? Which was was quite pleasant. That's a lawnmower that you can hear. Yes. We delayed a recording of this by half an hour because our lawnmower guy was mowing was our, lawn. our lawn. And, I thought, and now it's nice and quiet. And now some it other sounds like our neighbor is, is mowing his lawn. <laughs> we need to post a sign outside saying, neighborhood, be quiet. We are recording a podcast. That'd be hilarious. It'd be like the bathroom sign. Mm-hmm. We should at least try that. <laughs> What's the worst that can happen? People laugh at us and think we're weird, which they already do. Yeah, I'm sure they do. Like anyway, we have a podcast, so that kind of means that we're weird. Ah, uh-huh. shall we move on? Or do you have any predictions about the Tim's dad storyline? Well, do you think Tim's mom's dead? I don't know. I am. I'm frankly a little surprised that the police aren't taking her disappearance a little bit more seriously. That they're like, oh well, maybe she's just on vacation. There's probable cause that something bad happened to her. You have all these people saying that she disappeared, including her neighbors, who have said we haven't seen her in weeks. There's the mail piling up. You'd think that they would at least do like a um, a wellness check on her. A cursory check. Right. A wellness check. Just, you know, to make sure that she's okay. She is of a certain age. So you'd think, and we do have COVID running around. We're in the middle of a pandemic. You'd think that they would want to go in and make sure that she hasn't died of the coronavirus. And, you know, they don't have a dead body just sitting there waiting for them. I'd just, I'd just be hugely disappointed if, if she if was Paul dead Lock, already. Yeah. was brought in for like three episodes of whatever. When all she did was <laughs> kind of try and blend into the shadows by running along. Right. And, and kicking, then again. Kicking Ryan's bucket, but as, not like that. As I mentioned earlier, Honor Blackman was brought in for like oh, d- a week or two the just less, to try to the get less into said, The less said about that, the better, quite frankly. Oi! The less said about that. Who is your favorite uh, Bond lady name? Is it Pussy Galore? Is it um, one of the other ones? I quite liked Christmas Jones. 
Was it Christmas Jones? You're much more scripted in, in Bond movies than I, I was, am. What's her face? <laughs> what's her face was the... Um, it was a, a more recent one, like The World Is Not Enough or something. Was it Halle Berry? No. No. Who is Halle Berry? She, she's the... What was her name? I don't know. She she got them out in, uh, in Playboy. Yeah. Yeah, she did. Not Halle Berry. No. The person I'm talking about. <laughs> yes. That was Christmas Jones. Because she... Was it that she only comes once a year? Was that what it... Was that what the Dublin Tondra was? I can't remember. She only comes once a year. That's hilarious. What was her name? Was it Kelly? Oh, that's going to annoy me now. She was... Wasn't she married to that guy? Wasn't she married to that guy? Denise Richards. Denise Richards, thank you. Was, was it Christmas, Christmas Jones? Jones? Yes, and she was married to that guy, a.k.a. Charlie Sheen. Yes, that's yeah. what I'm talking about. Yeah, she got them out. Yep. Remember, she was in uh, uh, Starship Troopers as well. She got them out in Starship Troopers as well. She's not shy getting them out. Good for no. her. Yeah, well they're, done. They're worth getting out. Apparently. Oh, next storyline. <laughs> Did he? This is... All over the fucking shop tonight. <laughs> All over the place. I blame the lawnmower man. <sighs> I, I will hold my counsel as to what I blame. Mm. Desperate Dev. On Monday, outside the kebab shop, Cathy overhears Dev on the phone and it sounds very much like he's negotiating to sell a business. And Cathy assumes it's a kebab shop because that's what they're standing outside of. Mm-hmm. First he cuts her hours and now he gives her the boot. And what about Chesney and Gemma? Dev tells her this isn't the time or the place. And at this point, I think it's not the kebab shop that he's selling. That, that That's what's going to be the the rug that's getting pulled from under your feet is that he's not selling it at all. But he is. Yeah. And I, I would assume that whoever buys the kebab shop is still going to run it as a kebab shop and is still going to need to have employees there. Yeah, it's not going to someone so, turn into a carpet factory. Right. So... Kathy will still have a job, probably one would, one with, the, would assume, with yes. the new guy, whoever that is, unless unless it's our unless it's Ray Weinstein, mm-hmm. who apparently we'll get to that. Oh, we'll, we'll, we will so get to that. <sighs> Timbot is going to get a workout today. <laughs> At the cabin, <sighs> Kathy is reading the situation's vacant page. Well, Mary explains a conversation she had with a dolphin in the Mori Firth that advised her to cut down on fish. She asks Kathy if Dev And then said, so long, and thanks for all the fish. She didn't say that. No. Douglas Adams said that, though. Correct. Yes, that's the joke. She asks Kathy if Dev has cut hours again. Worse than that, he's selling the kebab shop. This is news to Mary. <laughs> she knew that he was having cash flow problems, but didn't think it was that bad. That shop is a cornerstone of his business empire, says Mary. His business empire. <laughs> of three stores. So it's got to be the chippy that he's going to sell because nobody ever goes there and nobody goes in. Nobody works there. Nobody mentions it. No. Apart from Tim's dad. And yeah, people. Months we ago. see people with chips and fish occasionally. We never actually see inside the chippy. No. 
So when Mary Which sees Dev, she quizzes him about the kebab shop, but he doesn't want to talk about it. And he goes home to discover Asha and ITV Corey are wunching on the couch. He's astounded. They're supposed to be two metres apart. Not the first time we've done it, says ITV Corey rather cockily. What did you say, asked Dev. ITV Corey threatens Dev with legal action if he touches him. Dev throws him out. How could Asher do this? After all this, after everything that he's spent trying to protect her, he he demands her phone and she hands it over. Then Nina comes round to visit Asher and agrees that seeing ITV Corey wasn't a great idea. She tells Asher that she doesn't need a boy to tell her that she's beautiful. It's a slippery slope for giving people who compliment you. And Asher seems to take heed and listen to this. Yeah. Except she doesn't really. Which is just... All of this seems like anti-type and against her character and all of the good work we've done to build Asha up and for her to acknowledge that she is beautiful and she doesn't need a boy to tell her she's beautiful and now all of a sudden she needs this boy to tell her that she's beautiful again. Yeah, I was kind of confused I'm, by I'm, I'm really, really disappointed in all of this. We had uh, a couple of really good storylines for Asha where she had her whole skin lightning thing and then she had the uh, the videotape thing right. where she really found herself thanks, right. to, thanks to people like Nina right. helping her but she she found herself she stood up to the bullies she she bested them as far as I'm concerned right and then he starts she being she owned it whatever it was and then she she starts he starts being nice to her again and then she just melts into a puddle i don't think so no i don't think so either Uh, yeah this is this this really upsets me and the only thing that i'm clinging to is that you know they're they're hinting at some shock teenage horror for next year and i've just fingers crossed that it involves itv Corey having a very gruesome death that's all I've got they've, to hold on to in they've, this. They've kind of changed him as well, because while he was obviously creepy by filming... Right, yeah. He wasn't this much of a dick. He wasn't such a dick as no, this. No. He's he was a, a complete arsehole Because he was a week. dick to Alia last week, and then he's a dick to to Dev. To Dev? Right. And to the father of the girl that you're winching? Uh, yeah, and who you're supposed to be two meters apart from because of coronavirus and then later on it just he's a dick to um addy as well oh yeah we'll get to that yeah it's oh yeah. he's like and you know what happened they cut his hair all of his niceness was in his hair so it seems yeah then chesney's pounding at the door but not like that wanting to know what the fuck's going on dev doesn't want to sell but he needs the money he's sorry and we'll give bernie hours at the corner shop chesney has always stood up for dev he might be a bit of a snob, but he's a basically sound guy. Chesney says, well, I was wrong about that. And inside, Asha tells Nina that this is all her fault. Right. And again, after the conversation with Nina and after, you know, Asha hearing that her dad is going to have to sell and it's basically because so she can stay in that really expensive school and everything. And she acknowledges this is all my fault. I thought, OK, well, this is the end of that then. Yeah. Except it's not. Except it's not. However, Asha has got some very, very nice glasses. Yes, she does. 
On Wednesday, Dev has made a lovely dinner, but Asha isn't hungry and is communicating with ITV Corey on her iPad. Poor Addy 2.0 is trying to tell Dev about his five-a-side success, but he's only interested in Asha, and so now Addy 2.0 isn't interested or hungry and storms up the stairs himself. Yeah, I really felt for the kid. And it's it's tough. It's tough, because I think anybody who has more than one child gets put in this situation where one really needs far more attention than the other. Mm-hmm. as far as something is concerned. And that means the kid who is good and is doing all of the right things kind of gets overshadowed and yep. frustrated. I've been in Addy's position and I've been in Dev's position when it comes to this. I've been the good child and I've been the frustrated parent. Yep. You were lucky. You were an only. Yeah, that was lucky. <laughs> Well, in this situation, it was lucky. On Friday, in the cabin, Cathy looks like she's talking to someone about their being selfish and about how she's had an affair and Kurt was everything to her. And I'm like, what? Did I miss something here? I could tell that she was like... Before before she even got to the cyborg bit. Because Kurt was a cyborg. Yes. In comes Dev, who takes a picture of Cathy. She's rehearsing for a play that Brian's been writing. Oh, dear God. <laughs> Dave then asks her to do an extra shift at the kebab shop. But Cathy, good for you. Kathy. Yeah, she stands up for She herself. stands her ground. Dev is still selling up. So, Kathy won't be doing anything other than her scheduled shifts. Thank you very much. Right, yeah. And she's like, well, I'm working here. And he's like, well, there's nobody in here. It's like, so here, Yeah, I'm still getting paid for being here. Right. At home, Addy 2.0 comes in to find Asha alone with ITV Corey. Asha goes upstairs and ITV Corey taunts Addy 2.0 by telling him that he's about to get his hole off of his sister and then accuses him of fancying his own sister. Right, yeah, because Addy says, my sister's worth 10 of you. And he's like, oh, well, now we know you're jealous because you want to have sex with your own sister. And I was just like, what? what? <laughs> and, the I, fact, I, and the fact that it seems like Asha is okay with now losing her virginity during a pandemic. What? Yeah. Yeah. Um. None of this. This is just... I don't like it. I don't like it at all. It's character swap. I don't like it. To fit a storyline. Yeah. And I don't like it. No. Because it... We already have lots of other reasons why Dev is stressed and Dev is in this crunch and everything and is having a hard time. We really don't need this for this storyline to be compelling. No. And, you know, there's there's lots for Asha to be feeling guilty about and, you know, maybe acting out about because she feels so guilty and stuff. We, we don't need this ITV Corey stuff. No. It's, it's, well, we really don't. I think, like we've said, the, the, the character shift in Asha and ITV Corey, it, simultaneously, it would seem... I, I I don't I don't believe it. It feels contrived. It really does. And it feels like it's more serving the story than the story is serving the characters and that Right. Kinda of is a problem a little bit. Yeah. Very much so. So 
There's a lengthy scene where Dev realises that he's mixed up the chicken kebab orders for Mr Hatch and Mr Peck. Poor Dev has rushed off his feet and blames the driver. Then Addy's on the phone explaining what the situation is like at home. So Dev gets home and Ash announces that she loves ITV Corey and the second that she turns 16 she's going to move in with him. Then she calls Addy 2.0 a fucking grass. Yeah. So that escalated quickly. Right, yeah. She's going to move in with him now. Yeah. In his mum's basement. What? Or something. Yeah, that's... Yeah. Hmm. At what point do you think somebody needs to stand up and say, this is not what this character would do? Right. And I think we've we've had the rebellious Asha before, Mm -hmm. especially when she was interested in the whole uh, skin lightning thing. Right. She was very much against Dev and everything was a a chore. Right. But to go to this extent so quickly from being so shamed. Right. Like a month ago, two months right. ago. And then we get this whole satisfying thing where she stands up for herself and, you know, knocks ITV Corey and his friends back for being dicks and yeah. everything. She absolutely owns it. You know, and I guess I can kind of understand, you know, I think that's been really popular for them. I think uh, all of these teenager stories are really good for the show, that people are really interested in it. So I can kind of understand them wanting to do more teenager stories. But give Asha a new boyfriend. (laughs) You know, I can... Because... If that were the case, if it was some other guy, maybe like an older guy or, a, you know, a wealthier guy from her new fancy school or something, I could kind of believe it. As opposed to ITV Corey, who we've already knocked back and she's been so strong with for him to be like, oh, you're still pretty and I still fancy you. Blah. And for her to just immediately fall back in with him, it's just, it's not satisfying at all. Also, it's okay for Asha to not have a um, devastating storyline. Yeah. Yeah. Let's make her happy for once, shall we? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe Addy's the one who's dating somebody inappropriate for once. Yeah, he gets this short thrift of all this. He's right. always the secondary character, never the mm-hmm. never the main focus. It's kind of unfortunate that he's been brought in and not really utilized immediately i'm I'm also wondering uh if if the actress who plays amy if her parents are have said that they're they're not comfortable with her coming back quite yet and that's why nina all of a sudden is her best friend i mean we did have nina do the picture and everything so nina is a friend and a confidant but it was kind of surprising when dev answers the door and the person says i'm here for asha and it's not Amy, it's mm-hmm. it's Nina. Nina gets a lot of work this week. She does. And she's, As the she, best friend. She's holding she's everything up. She's everyone's best friend. She's holding everything up with that parasol. We need to get moving on this because we've been talking for about an hour. Uh-huh. Weatherfield cycle. On Monday, Daniel is on the phone to Nikki talking to her answer machine and being his normal creepy self. He says that he's mm-hmm. worried about her. Why is he worried about her? 
Because she didn't show up and she works a dangerous job. Blah, 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 blah. Adam comes in, keen to know how Daniel is coping. Daniel says he didn't sleep because he was waiting for Nikki to show up. It's for the best, says Adam. Nikki is a prostitute, not your friend, he says. He's really against sex workers, isn't he? On Wednesday, Daniel has left Nikki 26 messages. And although she should be contacting the police, she instead goes round to see him and they melodramatically shout at each other for a while while throwing their arms about. Daniel was worried. Nikki can look after herself, she says, and doesn't think that this is a healthy relationship. Daniel insists that he just Correct. wants to be friends with her. And Nikki, Nikki agrees. She likes his company. Oh. And this way she doesn't have to wear that fucking cardigan. Well, every cloud. <laughs> he continues to be creepy and they have a beer. Mm-hmm. And that's as far as we get. Yeah. I'm really disappointed that uh, Nikki enjoys his company because all he seems to do is moan about his dead wife and his fucking kid. <laughs> Talk about his kid picking up trash. Right. So Nikki likes this. Apparently. Likes this chart, apparently. apparently. <sighs> anyway. Shona. <sighs> I think I said last week how much I, I wanted the old Shona back. Uh-huh. I, I'm not sure we're ever going to get it. No. No, I, I, had the same, I had the same conclusion at the end of this week that we're, we're not getting the old Shona back. This is, this is, this is what we have now. So now I have to hate Shona. Thanks. Thanks, Corey. <laughs> Thanks for that. Take a perfectly fine character who just so happens to get pregnant in real life and has to go off. <laughs> so you, you stick her in a coma and you bring her back as a completely different person who is an utter pain in the arse. I think eventually some of that, some of the pain in the arse stuff will get better. Because she'll she'll realize that she can't eat, she can't just randomly pick fish fingers off of a plate, and and she can't pour juice on people, just to be funny. Let's go through it. <laughs> on Monday outside the salon, Shona apologizes for the other day because Arne has told her to, and then offers to give him another flash of her boobs. Bernie comes along for her cut and colour, which she wants to limit to the cut. She's tightening her belt, which triggers Shona into slagging off the belt Bernie is wearing along with her jeans. David explains <sighs> that Shona doesn't know what she's saying and then reminds Shona that she doesn't have to say every thought that runs through her head. And they do definitely seem to be playing this for laughs. Yeah. And it's not funny. It's not funny. So, the next thing we see is a bedraggled Bernie rushing out of the salon with her top covered in blackcurrant juice that Shona deliberately but not really spilled on her. Shona's at the window laughing maniacally at Bernie. Right, yeah. While David's trying to say, no, it was an accident, she didn't mean to. And you see her in the window laughing her ass off. So Mm. obviously she didn't mean to. Right. Audrey's going to hear about this. Shona is unapologetic, saying that Bernie was being annoying. They're all annoying, says David. And Shona thinks David is annoyed with her, but he insists that he isn't. At home, Lily wants ice cream for tidying her room. David isn't keen, but Shona says that she can look after Lily while David goes to get it, and she'd like some ice cream too. So David goes off for ice cream. Yes. And then he comes home to find the front door without wide open. waiting, Without waiting for her to finish cleaning her room and then say, okay, now let's go get ice cream. So he gets home to find the front door wide open and Shona covering her eyes and counting. She's in the 300s. Where's Lolly? Hiding, says Shona. They're playing hide and seek. 
and David is frantic because Lily's gone. Have I done something wrong? Asks Jonah as David runs out of the house. Right. Yeah. Great. So on Wednesday, they're trying to track down Lily when Chesney comes out. She's managed to find a way to his house and she's playing safely with Joseph just before he has his bath. <laughs> David goes to... David goes to... Uh, David goes to get her, telling Sean to go home when it's clear that he really wants to throw a few expletives into that phrase. And later at dinner, Sean doesn't know where the spoons go, and when David goes to shout the kids down for dinner, Sean eats the kids' fish fingers. That does it. David gets on the phone to Roy to pick Sean up. It's best that she goes home. Right. And this is understandable that he would say, okay, you know what? And it's kind of nice that we're getting to see a bit of David's frustrations with all of this, you know, because so much of it has been, oh, poor Shona, who doesn't remember David, and David keeps, you know, trying to force her back into being old Shona and everything. I, It's nice that we're getting to see some of his frustrations with this and realizing how much she does not remember and is incapable of doing on her own and realizing it's also kind of like buying a dog and you take the dog home and the dog keeps on shitting on the floor and trying to shag the furniture. So you phone the owner up and say, you're going to have to take this dog back. That's what it reminded me of. Sarah gets home after Shona has left. You just called Shona a dog. No. To me, it just, it, it's it's more... It was David kind of behaving like his wife's a pet. Yeah. David complains about his day. He's had enough for, of Shona for one day, and Sarah, for whatever reason, thinks that things will get better. He's trying to remember the woman that he loves. What if this is as good as it gets? So on Friday, Shona is in Roy's Rolls chanting Nina about a parakeet. Do things take a turn on Friday? <laughs> a parakeet she claims to have seen outside her window and somehow she manages to link this to her own predicament and how David was annoyed about the fish fingers thing so she's now going to leave Weatherfield for good Yeah, and I'm like he yelled at fine, me so fine. I don't like it so I'm leaving and nobody believes her about this parakeet meanwhile David is lounging on the couch in his filthy socks also they say parakeet I thought I thought they were called budgies they're budgies they're yeah. yeah not parakeets no. Nobody says parakeet in the UK, do they? I think they mean something different. I think they mean something between a budgie and a parrot. But that's a that's what we things. call Yeah, well parakeets are green. They but can be green or blue green. or yellow. Completely green. But no little flashes of Remember white. the smelly parakeet that your mum had to watch once? Yeah, because her friend was a chain smoker and this poor budgie stank of cigarette smoke. <laughs> And by the end of the week, it wouldn't sm- smell it because my mum would clean it. Right. And give it like far too many baths and stuff. Your mother loved to wash things. <laughs> she did. Including my knickers. And then hang them out. Hang them out in the, the, back, the back garden. Was it, was it your Stars and Stripes knickers? Yeah, it was my Wonder Woman. Adis, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I loved your mum. We come, we came home and she was like standing at the sink scrubbing the gusset out of them. I can't get this stain out. Do you want to say that? It's hilarious because it embarrassed me so much. 
Yeah, she never thought twice about it. <laughs> she never thought twice about it. it. She had no idea why I was so embarrassed. <laughs> she was great. So, David is lounging on his couch in his filthy socks and Sarah thinks that he, sh- he should speak to Shona, but he thinks he overreacted about the fish fingers thing and is concerned that they're forcing things to happen too quickly, which I think he's got a point. Mm-hmm. He has plans for a barbecue, though. David gets a call from Nina. Why does David have Nina's phone number? Why does Nina have David's phone number? I agree. Well, maybe because he places orders for Roy's. But she phones him on her phone. Right. Because he looks at his phone and goes, oh, it's Nina. Maybe because uh, Nina is seems to be kind of I'm, Shona's guardian I'm, because we can't see Roy right now. I'm being facetious. As soon as you move on to the street... You have everybody's, everybody's number. phone number, unless unless the storyline connotes that you don't have that person's phone number, right. and then you don't have that person's phone number. So she tells David about Shona doing a runner, so he goes off to stop her. And then Roy rolls, he begs him not to leave. He says he was just having a moment, but she thinks that he hates her. He explains it's hard because he doesn't know her anymore, and he wants the old Shona back. But Shona doesn't know where the old Shona is. David tells her about the barbecue, and she agrees, but only if Nina can come. So everyone descends on David's backyard and Shona wastes no time jumping on the trampoline. Oh, for fuck's sake, I That's hate lilies. this. I hate this so much. And then she wants to have a banana. And then she's jumping on the trampoline again. Later, Shona is still on the trampoline when Nina remarks that she can feel a vibration in the ground. David asks Shona to quit with the fucking trampoline for five minutes. And Nina has a lovely lace black pot parasol she does. throughout all of this. David has had enough and he slinks off round the corner and Sarah follows him to check that he's okay and Nina follows at the back when there's an almighty crash and when they go back into the yard there's a massive hole in the ground and no Shona and an upturned trampoline. She eventually comes out of the kitchen with a banana. Yes. What's going on here, she says. And this this and, is this and, is when I pause the show. And what's going on here is And walk into the office and say to you, Gav, do you think the writers of the show have been reading your book? <laughs> Because so, this is this is unlikely that there'd be a sinkhole. Something very similar happens in in my book. Nobody is the nobody Scottish is, Book of the Dead. Yes. Following an, an earthquake, when there's a for all intents and purposes a bottomless pit in somebody's back garden. Yeah, sinkhole. Only in your book, people start throwing things into it, and nobody has done that yet. Nobody's thrown an armoire into this hole in David's backyard yet. Yet. Right. Yeah, they start falling it with trash. <laughs> so everyone stares at the hole. You should get you should get a writer's credit for this for this episode. I'd be interested if that's the case. I don't think it is, but <laughs> I'd be interested to know. It's pretty big, says Shona, and David asks her to be quiet so he can think. He hears running water, and Shona wonders if he's looking for dead bodies. No, David did- says that was ages ago, and tells her to shut up. And offended, Shona goes inside. It would be it would be fun if they did find a dead body there. That didn't sound like water to me. That sounded like gas. It was more of a hissing sound than yeah, dripping I thought, water. I thought it was water. Still, anyway. it's a big hole. There's lots of different pipes down there. And, and nobody knows who to call. They need to call the U.S. Army <laughs> Corps of Engineers. <laughs> it's such a random thing to happen. And you're, you're watching it. thinking, like, is this really happening? And then it takes a twist to make it even more unbelievable. No, no, no. We've, we've, we've had two. Two's, two's enough. 
No, we need more. Not yet, though. But not yet. So David's been on the phone to the water company. It seems that they don't have a sinkhole department. David apologises to Shona for losing his temper with her. Shona doesn't think this makes him a very nice person. Then a worker from the water company says it's a sewer collapse and he wouldn't like to be in David's shoes because he might not be covered by insurance. And Shona finds all of this hilarious. The inspector thinks the house might be unstable and suggests that they can't live there if that's the case. And and, and Shona, Shona compliments his, uh, his jumpsuit. Yeah, he says that he looks like somebody... Who was it? Uh, he looks like uh, Luke Skywalker. Yeah, when he's yeah going off and um, yeah when he's being a yeah. Mm-hmm. So David and Shona because he's got up a white car, hat as well. Ready to move to Audrey's for the foreseeable, and Ray Weinstein happens along. He's heard what's happened from Nina and offers to put everyone up for the duration in one of his hotels. Sarah isn't sure because of the Bethany thing, but Shona really, really wants a go in the hot tub. So David and Sarah are now up for uh, taking up his offer. Nina is invited as well. Right, because she's kind of. It seems like she's kind of Shona's guardian, but then Shona says she would rather just share a room with David. Uh-huh. And later in the hotel, David doesn't want the old Shona. He wants to get to know the new Shona. <sighs> and they agree to have dinner. And then back in Weatherfield. Oh, Ray seems to be paying off the water company guy. And in the discussion, it seems that the water company guy has managed to manufacture the sinkhole thing. But was supposed to do it at night. And then Ray says that the next stage is to see what David will do to get out of this hole. And I'm like, what? what? What the fuck's going on here? Timbot4000 says this does not compute. Okay. What is going First on here? First of all, how does this guy... It's it's lucky that when David called the water company, that this one guy... Is, is the water company just this one guy? Is there no record at the water company that this is, you know, that this is happening and everything? And also, it's not just... If if it's an actual problem with the sewers, th- there would be like an open sewer hole. There would be something there. It wouldn't just be a hole in the ground. There's lots of other pipes and lots of other stuff going on down there. Not just the sewers, which is in the pipes, which are still closed off that we can see down below there. Also, how on earth did this guy manufacture a sinkhole? Did he go? Did he sneak into the garden? Is he a at, mole? It, did he sneak into the garden at night and like dig a hole and then pat some of the ground down on top of it? Replace the grass. Right. And nobody saw this. And it's just lucky that that sound, which I thought sounded like gas, but David thinks sounded like water. And he called the water company instead of the gas company or the police or the fire department or anybody, or anybody else. else. Also... We saw last week where Shona says to Nina how Ray Weinstein is a wrong and a bad guy. Nina is a type of person who tends to keep things pretty close to her chest and is not really a gossip. Why would she have told Ray Weinstein anything about this? Because he seems pissed that this is how he found out it was right. Nina. Right, yeah. Rather than the water company guy. Right. I mean, I get I get that we're finally rolling back to, you know, Ray Weinstein buying up 
property on the street for some reason and having some nefarious thing that we saw on that computer like a year ago. Remember? Stuff on the computer that everybody's like, what's going on here? Where it seemed like he had some sort of plans when they were try- when Bethany was trying to... Oh, he had a list of non-disclosure agreements or something like right, that. Right, yeah, but there was also like some a map and some blueprints and stuff in that file as well that got that piqued everyone's interest that everybody has forgotten about now that now we're finally circling back to it's um, it's just this is this is the other thing Mersey Tart and I were talking about while I was suffering from insomnia um because he said something about the parasol and I said well maybe she's like a real vampire just like another Coriolum making an allusion to Joseph Gillum who played Jamie Armstrong who then went on to play Vampire Cassidy and then uh, he said something about how well this would explain why Jamie and Trish never moved back onto the street and then I said to be honest a vampire living on the street would be far more believable than this stupid sinkhole and he agreed this this, is just so ridiculous if this is what happens when we go back to hour long episodes I would rather we didn't. No, thank you. I would rather we didn't anyway. You- but this this was two things that happened on Friday that just completely out of the blue, mm. we have a sinkhole. And like, well, okay, fair enough. I guess you can... Right, no, because... Nobody expects a sinkhole. There right? has been, there's been structural damage to that to David's house before. Remember when they all had to move out because there was structural damage? Right. When the factory, some, co- the factory, when the factory collapsed. So but, that's kind of believable. But for the sinkhole to have been manufactured by a water company guy that just happens to be the guy that David calls, who's been paid off by Ray Weinstein. Who's a hotelier. Well, he also owns the Bistro. Owns he's the a bistro, restaurateur. But he's mostly a hotelier. Well, what I'm thinking is he's going to knock down the whole street and build a big, massive hotel there. I don't know. That's fucking ludicrous. Because remember, let's all remember, he owns Kev's repair oh, shop no, and the like, furniture shop and everything. But the only thing... Make it quick. The only thing positive in all of this is that Shona was no longer on the trampoline. <laughs> and she did not fall down the hole. Because a lot, not, the, a, lot the, hole. a lot of the spoilers and speculation about it before it happened was that Shona jumps on the trampoline and then falls down a hole. And that's when I was like, oh my God, they really are just playing this whole brain injury for laughs, aren't they? I would have preferred so I was, that. Be... I was really glad that she did not fall down the hole. Because she would have died. Yeah, I would, and I would have preferred that. <gasps> I would have preferred that. Our penultimate storyline today is Body in the Canal. On Friday, Sean is visiting Billy, who I thinks it's found have Kel. We've got, we've got two more, and we've been we've been going for an hour and twenty minutes. <laughs> Sean is visiting Billy, who thinks he's found Kel, who would appear to be the body that they pulled out of the canal, although he can't be sure. But the description is bang on, and they both wonder how Paul will take this. Sean and thinks sh- he deserves to know. And Sean reminds Billy that <laughs> that Kel got fired, so why would he be wearing a security guard? uniform and he's like well maybe he got another job as a security guard yeah. somewhere else sean is the viewer in, in, in this scene. <laughs> sean is the voice of reason in Why this, does this not make any sense? <laughs> nick she'll be telling me there was a sinkhole manufactured <laughs> around the corner paul makes an appearance and everyone shuts up sean makes his excuses and leaves 
and leaves awkwardly. Paul thinks that they've been talking about Todd. Because he can't eat carbs. And warns that digging around in the past can be painful. He knows with the whole Kel thing. And now Billy clams up and doesn't have any news after all. Right, because he's about ready to tell him about the whole Kel thing. Right, just tell him about the Kel thing. He's a vicar. He tells people bad news all the time. Which, again, is something that Sean reminds him. Don't you have training in in giving people bad news? Oh, well, this is different because I'm shagging this one. Mm -hmm. Ugh. It's totally going to be... Oh, I was going to say something... Inappropriate? Absolutely inappropriate there. And I'm not going to... What were you going to say? Personal triumph. Uh, Looking... myself on a little bit as well. (laughs) (laughs) Our final storyline today is about Oliver, which is funny because Oliver does not make it to the screen. We don't actually see him because all children are off, except for Asha and Addy for some reason. On Monday, Toya drops in to see how Oliver is doing and Leanne says he's doing fine, thank you very much. And this trip to the seaside that they've been planning, apparently, will do the world a good. During a pandemic. She asks how the fostering thing is getting on and Imran has an assessment today. Leanne offers her help and then asks if Toya and Imran can come round later. Then Imran, who doesn't work at the factory, turns up at the factory to speak with Toya. His assessment did not go well. Oh no! They dug up Rana, not literally. <laughs> <laughs> she was crushed. Oh, you were. St- and <laughs> I thought we were dead with the whole crushed Rana jokes. No. Nah. <laughs> nah, just when you think they've gone, they come back. So, the, uh, <laughs> and they've dug up how her parents tried to kidnap her, and somehow that makes Imran not to be exactly a family guy. She what? Lo- she looks like a foot. What? And he reacted badly to the line of questioning, and now he's worried that he's fucked up their chances. I... So, t- stop. Timbot4000 says this does not compute. It's so much in does moderation. not compute. In moderation. So much does not compute this week. So Timbot is getting a workout. It was a good week this week. I enjoyed it this week. <laughs> you enjoyed some of it. I enjoyed most of it. Even the stuff that's fucking stupid? <laughs> yeah. It, 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 it did the Tim's dad stuff so well that it gave it a pass, I think, for the. Yeah, but then they ruined the it on Friday. Until Friday. Friday wasn't great. Friday but, ruins but Monday, the whole Wednesday week. was good. Monday, Wednesday was great. No, because there's Asha <clears> stuff on Wednesday. The Asha stuff starts on Wednesday, and that's not good. No, but you can't say Wednesday wasn't good when it had the whole Tim's dad come from. Most of it was good. Anyway, continue. So Wednesday, Toya and Imran are with Nick and Leanne. Nick thinks Oliver is really looking forward to his trip to the seaside. <sighs> Leanne thinks it'll do him the world of good. Imran though is worried about during seagulls. a pandemic and reports on a video where they killed a rabbit. Leanne goes off to check on Oliver and Steve, which gives Nick an opportunity to ask about the fostering thing and say that Imran and Toy will make great parents. Aww. Then later, Nick and Steve bond over sausages, and they both <laughs> admit that they couldn't have got through this without the other one. Which was nice. 
On Friday, everyone is ready for their trip to Cornwall. Steve reports that Oliver is out for the count and then the seizure alarm goes off and it's a long one and Leanne has to give him medication. Steve wants to take him to the hospital but Leanne isn't so sure. It's under control, she says. Then Steve points out that they're off for a long trip so maybe they should get it checked out and so Leanne relents. Then in the hospital car park, Steve explains to Nick that they're waiting on the consultant but it looks like the holiday is off. Yes. Nick says sees a woman drop her purse and when he attracts her attention it turns out it's someone that he knows. <gasps> Natasha, he says. Nick, she says. And they catch up for a bit. Natasha uh, has a small chain of hairdressers apparently and Steve points out that Nick has a barber's but it's a long story. Yeah. And it comes out that not only is Natasha an ex of Nick from 10 years ago, she also had a brief thing with Steve but it was, <laughs> it was maybe less important. Wait, or is it? I think it is. I think her fling with Steve was way before. Or is thing. it? He can't have knocked someone else off. He could have. <laughs> that spood is magic. She's <laughs> she's at the hospital for a dermatological appointment. Right. The guys well, head off to see Oliver and when they leave, Natasha is visibly shaken. Inside, Steve and Nick agree not to tell Leanne about Natasha. Steve thinks the appointment excuse was a ruse because her skin was looking so radiant. Hmm. She comes out of the room saying that Oliver seems fine, but no sooner has she said it than the seizure alarms start going off again. And later the doctor says that they can't control the seizures and, he's a, and Oliver is actually in pretty bad shape and on the ventilator. Nick thinks that they should cancel the holiday. And that he's not going to be coming off the ventilator and it's not Well, that's good. in the next scene. But Leanne thinks Oliver needs this holiday, damn it, and can go on it despite being really, currently Leanne? on a ventilator. Really, Leanne? Is it Oliver who needs this vacation? Later and it's still, during a pandemic? Oliver remains in a seizure after all this time and is still on the ventilator, and there's a possibility that he might not get off it. This might be the end. And Steve asks for a minute, but Leanne thinks that she'll still be able to go on their hollybobs. Right, and he's going to be fine because he was fine before. They said he was going to die before and he didn't die. So this time will be the same as that. Then we see Natasha again and she's back in the hospital and thanking a nurse and we learn that she's there for her nine-year-old son who has sprained something or other. The nurse calls the boy very inquisitive and asks if he gets that from her or his dad. But Natasha says that she's had enough reminders about his dad for one day. Thank you very much. And they go off to see the boy and then we find out that Nick has been round the corner and has heard this exchange. And that's how we end this week's episodes. Steve's kid. I, I, I've toyed Steve's with... kid. They're all Steve's kids. Every child has been born this whole time. Even 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 Kev's kid and Chesney's kid. They're all Steve's. I've toyed with this notion. I don't think the timeline adds up. But but we don't know that. And why on earth would the show have Steve remind Natasha that they also had a thing back in the day? Well, did and why did she kind of play it off as just being one takeaway when obviously it was more than just one takeaway? Because with Steve, it's always more than just one takeaway. And it would only take one takeaway because let's remember, Oliver is the result of... Of a one-night stand. It's a joke, yeah. Steve Spood is magic. <laughs> and Nix is not. Oh. Or, or else he would have knocked somebody else up before now. We are made to believe this is Nick's kid. I bet it's not. It's either Steve's or somebody else's. It's David's. It, it can't be Steve's. It can't be another one of Steve's. They're all Steve's kids. 
Oh, it's like he's collecting them. Steve's magic. <laughs> I've, 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 I've worked it, very yet again on Twitter. I worked very hard to convince the Ben Price fan page that it's Steve's kid. <laughs> she and I were going back and forth about it I, hilariously because she doesn't want it to be Steve. She doesn't want it to be Nick's kid, which is very interesting. She wants Nick to not have any biological children. And it makes him a more compelling character. And I, I tend to agree with her. Yeah, that's true. That is true. And it kind know. of I, it kind of lessens the whole Nick's love for Oliver thing as well. Although, it would mm-hmm. kind of lessen the whole Steve's love for Oliver as well. One kid dies, another one shows up. Steve has balance. That is... Equilibrium in the oh, universe. I We're would... joking about a dead child, a fictitious dead child. Not for the first time. <laughs> then again, we were making jokes about a real live dead man earlier. So, I, I would be lying if I said that I hadn't thought about this. Also, and I do agree with you that the fact that it's brought to our attention that Steve also had right. something of a fling with Natasha. That Steve and Nick are the ones there. does seem there. to be a strange thing to and the bring fact up for that no reason. And the fact that we have these scenes where Nick and Steve seem to have come together. They're bros now. They're friends now. You know, so something needs to ruin this friendship. But as I said to Ben Price fan page, what's going to happen is that because Nick is the one who's overheard it and because we're led to believe it's Nick's kid, mm-hmm. Nick is going to believe it's his kid. It's going to, he's going to be obsessed about this kid. It's going to ruin his relationship with Leanne. He and Leanne are going to break up and then we're going to find out that it was Steve's kid all along, but not until <laughs> Leanne and Nick break up God. because no one is allowed to be happy on the show. I um, remember very little about Natasha from 10 years ago. I think the the storyline that I remember was that she was pregnant with Nick's kid and Nick wasn't interested, so she had an abortion and then Nick became interested and so she pretended that she was still pregnant. That's all I can remember about it. Hmm. But it was 10 years ago, so... Hmm. You'd think that I would have done my research. Honestly, I thought that this was his ex-wife from last year at first. I was like, But her name began with an E, didn't it? She was E on the phone, wasn't it? I couldn't remember, to be honest. But, you know, it was yet another blonde woman. So they all kind of blend together. Go figure. Moment of the week. Tim. Given Tim's dad the business, especially when he points at him and says, I would never do that, that was to my, my wife. Bit. That was, that that's, was, my that's moment of the week right there. That's moment of the year. Let's, yeah. be, let's be fair. Moment of the decade. <laughs> well. No more moments of the week. We are done for the rest of the year. <laughs> that was super So brilliant. And we've, we've, we've talked we've, about it yeah. already. So. Yeah. That's our moment of the week. Moment of the week. Your boring moment of the week, Daniel. <laughs> 26 times he phoned up poor woman 26 times 26 times he left a message God knows how many times he phoned her It's either that or when David Tells Shona that He's just talked to Nina And Nina has conferred with Roy And Roy says that actually there are Quite a few 
parakeets flying around Weatherfield. Yeah, let's give Daniel the, the week off. And... Yeah, let's make our make the parakeet or that particular bit of the parakeet because they they go far too long. They ring this metaphorical parakeet <laughs> out to dry. They they get every drop out of this metaphor they possibly can. I deliberately avoided not talking about it because it was Ugh. just getting on my tits too much. And it was bothering me so much that they kept saying parakeet instead of budgie. I was like, I know this is wrong. <laughs> there's so much about the language. I, do, I honestly think there's something in between a parrot and a budgie and that's what they were talking about. Right, but that's not called a parakeet, is it? I think it is. I think it might be. Because we need to do an animal episode of Common Language, I think. Yeah, what we call a parakeet here is a budgie over there, but what they call a parakeet might be something like a small, I think, green parrot. I think it might be. Hmm. Anyway, that's our... Boring moment of the week. Boring moment of the week. Shall we wrap this one up? Yes, please. If you've ever bounced on a trampoline while craving a banana... You can write in, <laughs> but not like that. You can write in to tell totally us all like about that. it. We are the talk of the street at gmail.com on email, which is also how you can leave a voicemail on Skype or send us a couple of bucks for our virtual tip jar on PayPal. Buy a we t shirt. Um, well, I'll get to that. Okay. We're at Corey Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And on our Twitter bio, we have a link to our merch store where you can indeed buy a t shirt. They're a very good quality. Mm hmm. I still think they're a bit expensive, but whatever. What's your Twitter handle? At Gaviano. Mm-hmm. What's yours? At Mama Peanut. That's also in our uh, At Cory Podcast yeah. Twitter bio. So if you ever want to tweet me personally. About something else? I just, I, I thought, because a lot of my dialogue with uh, Ben Price fan page and, and Mersey Tart this week... I did as myself instead of instead of as the talk of the street Twitter. I thought maybe maybe people would be interested. Can in. I can I can I wind this up now? Please. Thanks for making <laughs> it to the end of another episode. And we will be back next week with more talk, talk of the, of the street. street. Cheerio. Bye.